friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hey, everyone, this is episode 19 of the MC Lars podcast. It is Monday, January 7th, 2019. This week, we got Quelle Chris. Quelle Chris uh, has a verse on my new record with Megaran. He plays Ozymandias on our Watchmen song. Those of you who pre-ordered the Dewey Decibel System will have recognized his verse. Those of you who haven't heard the album yet, you'll hear it when it drops this spring. Uh, Quelle Chris and his wife, Jean Grey, put out an album called Everything's Fine, which was the number one album on Bandcamp last year, which is kind of tight. So it may have been kind of cool to end last year with this podcast, but I thought, no, we'll start it. We'll start this podcast this year with Quelle Chris as a way to celebrate some of the best work of 2018. Uh, On this episode, Quelle and I talk about how he got his start in Detroit around 96 with the Wasted Youth Collective, how he met Proof from D12 and how Proof really inspired him to push himself lyrically. Now he was working on a beat for Proof when Proof died. We talk about how all this craziness led Quelle to uh, producing for Danny Brown. We talk about what it was like growing up in Detroit as a fan of Insane Clown Posse and the juggalo culture then around Nine Mile back in the day. We also talk about how being signed to Mellow Music was like a changed his life, but also didn't change his life that much. And we talked about how writing lyrics is kind of like writing spells, casting spells, and his philosophical approach. Quelle's a really spiritual, interesting guy. We talked a lot about, we joke about how time doesn't exist. So the interview didn't have to be chronological. So uh, thank you very much uh, for being on the show, Quelle. We end with one of their tracks from their new album, uh, Everything's Fine, and it's called Gold, Purple, Orange. So you can peep that track on this podcast or listen to it on Spotify or whoever else you listen to music. This year, I'm doing a lot of fresh flavor. I'm like stepping up my releases and I'm going to have like a a, uh, release schedule. So Monday, I'm going to drop the podcast. Tuesday, I'm doing a YouTube video every week. This tomorrow, we're dropping a parody of uh, Travis Scott's Sicko Mode. We did Skittle Mode and I have a puppet who raps the lyrics and it's a short little video, but I'm going to be doing those videos every Tuesday. Wednesday, I'm doing a 27th Street. Thursday afternoon, I'm doing Twitch and Friday, we got the Freestyle Friday. So when I'm on tour, this schedule will change a bit, but that's going to be the release schedule this year and I'm freaking sticking to it. Still doing the Patreon songs two a month and I want to give a shout out to the supporters. Jesse Dangerously actually signed up to support. Thank you, Jesse. My friend Alan, who uh, used to run a label called DFTBA, I did remixes for him back in the day, and A Quite Bitter Being, that was their screen name, which is a reference to a CKY song, I think. Also, some of the old supporters, Anthony, Anton, and Rick Russell, thank you very much. Y'all keep me alive. You keep this going. I appreciate it. So check it out. This is my interview with Quelle Chris on the MC Lars Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MC Lars podcast. I'm here with Quelle Chris. Hello. Thanks for coming through. No problem, man. No problem. This is joyful to me. Oh, it's, it's joyful for me, too. I'm really uncomfortable right now, but it has nothing to do with your lovely setup. It's, um, I ate about like 16 cheeseburgers yesterday. <laughs> 16? Yeah, and like an assortment <laughs> of fried objects. And, um, <laughs> And then I also did laundry and, uh, you know, use like a dryer on like high. Oh. So not only am I like about like 13 inches fatter, all of my clothes are like, you know, conveniently shrunken. 
<laughs> so I'm just real tight today. Real tight. Like your lyrics. Yeah, mad tight. <laughs> Do you need to use the restroom? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. No, I just, I just got to sweat it out. This is going to be a sweaty day. I, you know, I know that post-tour feeling where you come home and you're like, did my clothes shrink? Or yeah, is or it- did I just eat nothing but uh, gas station trash for like three weeks? For three yeah. weeks yeah. to get to the next, to get through the next minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh boy. Well, yeah. I'm glad you made it. You know, my apartment is fifth, is five floors up, so we made the trek together. Yeah, in tandem. Yeah. When I go downstairs, leaving this uh, lovely apartment, um, I'm gonna feel very accomplished. You know what I mean? Like I might go back and tell Gene, like, hey, I got a good workout in today. Uh, Just some I cardio. Yeah, I wish it was like a few more, a few more floors, so that I could feel like I'm doing something positive for my life. Um. Quelle, where are you from? Because you're you've been all over the country, yeah. right? Uh huh. Um, I was born in upstate New York in uh, Binghamton. Okay, Johnson City, New York, is where the uh, hospital is. But I was uh, in uh, upstate New York in Endicott until I was about like six or seven. Binghamton is nearby. Maybe Albany's nearby. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I haven't been back there, but my older brother went back. You know, within the last couple decades or something, he's like, it's like a ghost town there. Because I feel mm-hmm. like it was mostly a factory yeah. town. Yeah. And when the factories leave, you know, basically, I don't know. I'm Now I'm just making shit up. Like, I feel like you just replace factories with meth and then, like, shit just hits the fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's clinics and yeah. pop-up clinics. and hmm Yeah. It's depressing. Yeah. Needle dispensers and shit, but I don't know what's going on there. But yeah, I, I do. I I do have very fond memories of it, but I, I've never been. I haven't been back, and I don't really know exactly what the fuck goes on in Endicott. <laughs> it's uh beautiful though, like that part of the state, mm-hmm. right? Is it is that in the Catskills or? Look, I have no <laughs> freaking idea. Yeah, um, but now my dad was a, a shoe designer. So we moved around a lot with whatever company he happened to be working with. So we went from there and we went back to Michigan to like Taylor, I think is where we lived. Okay. And, um, you know, all my family, I'm the only person in my family that wasn't born in Detroit, but I've always considered Detroit home. Okay. So, and then from there to St. Louis and then St. Louis to back to Michigan then to Detroit uh then chicago and then uh i I, uh, ruined a lot of my brain cells in chicago and then from chicago where did i go where we go san francisco then oakland then burbank la and shit and then new york then back to la then back to new york i think wow Wow. So if you were to trace it, it would look like a very elaborate starfish. Yeah. The map yeah. <laughs> with many, many arms. You bet. But but a common thread here is all those cities are like music centers or media centers or like have great art scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every one of them. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what, is that what drew, drew you? Or I'm sure it's a longer story than that. Um, no, I mean, a lot of times I follow friendship and then um, uh, like as far as like my adult life or young adult life was mostly just like, Oh yeah, uh, my homies are moving here. So I'm going to move here. Yeah. And like, you know, like the 18, 19 year age is like, 
acting like I'm going to college. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, you know, tell them I'm, like, oh, I'm I'm applying for a school here, and then with good intentions, but I just I was terrible at college. Yeah, uh, I spent most of the time just being high, and then eventually drunk, and then like just fucking it up. Like I I remember when I went to um. Uh, Ferris State University in uh, in Michigan, and I went for like I don't know, like music business or some you yeah. know some sort of like st- stupid thing that I felt like was you know in the vein of what I would like to do with my life, and uh, and I was I took a, a, a audio like introduction to like audio technology or some shit I don't know, and. Um, I used to just sit and do doodles and not really pay attention to class or anything. And then, um, so I, I never, I never finished school there. And then I went back to Detroit and then, um, I just, all of my friends were moving to Chicago. Hmm. So I was like, Oh shoot, I, I want to go to Chicago too. And then I was looking for a school in Chicago. Uh, and, um, <laughs> I wanted to get a reference or like you needed like a reference uh, to apply or yeah. something like that. So I reached out to the teacher of my um, my audio technology class or whatever. Yeah. And he basically like emailed me back just like, Ha 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 
you know, just job wise, you know, because mm-hmm. I always tell people like, I mean, at least in my history of working, of doing music as a career, it's it's like you're constantly reapplying for uh, for a job. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's, it's not it's never like uh, stable and like life needs a little bit of stability, especially yeah. as you get a little older. You yeah. know what I mean? Like. Yeah. When I was when I was younger, I I could have gave a shit less, but as I get older, it's just so so it's 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 it's, it's been great because it's what I wanted to do. You know, what I mean, yeah. my mom will always be like, it, "You never stopped, you know, wanting to do it." And I, you know, so uh, the sticking to my guns and just really wanting wanting this and loving, you know, hip hop and music in general. Uh, kept me through it and great friends and you know i you know I, as there's a line like in popeyes i can't remember the line but basically that whole song is just about that general thing where it's like you know i feel like i've ruined so many lives but i guess maybe i was a nice enough person that no one no one cared that much i really listening to your catalog like if you were whack, you wouldn't be like have had this success. Oh yeah. Oh no. I'm I'm very freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the shit at this shit. But, so uh, that like that mixed with belief in yourself, and I guess it sounds like you've surrounded yourself with people who kind of believe in you. Oh, not even believe in me. Like if there is a god, that motherfucker blessed me with the greatest human beings in my life. You right. know, and I may yeah. have not always been the best to them, but. I've been blessed with just the greatest friends. Um, I don't, and I don't know if that's an energy thing or how mm. that happens, but somehow, like, you know, there's there's been assholes here and there, but I'd say like ninety percent of the people that have been a part of my life have just kind of been like the best people on the face of the earth. So I don't know. That's important. How that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk. Tell me about the Wasted Youth Collective. I would say there's two parts to, or three parts maybe to me starting like really wanting to rap and this is like middle school and shit like that but one part of it is um you know big tone who's one of the members of waste of youth uh which is a group from detroit it's uh, uh big tone 87 and uh loose cannon and uh our loose goose our goose now i don't know what name he's going by these days <laughs> they were always doing it so like my my brother would bring back tapes when we were in St. Louis from Detroit of like, you know, shit that Tone was working on. Around that time, me and my friends in middle school started like kind of rapping. You know what I mean? Like yeah. mostly mostly just dicking around. You know what I mean? Like there was like one song I think Tim LeGrone and Ron made. It was like, went around the way, think I saw Blue Jay. You know what I mean? It wasn't like serious songs or anything, but we were having a blast doing it. We would like record using like the voicemail so every and getting on like three-way four-way six-way and just everyone would be on the phone and we would re- one person would play the beat and then everyone would That's just tight. record it on today um like on do you have a, like a four track or digitally or uh just like in the voicemails oh uh, i see yeah. i see and then you yeah. just have to dial up the voicemail to go back and listen to the song That's right. um but uh but anyway i'm i i, I ramble and i get off course a lot but so you know around that time he would bring you know tapes of the beats and things that they've been making uh back from detroit and you know they were in in detroit during the hip-hop shop time and you know that was that was a whole nother piece of magic that i 
real mad. I was too young to enjoy. But but uh, what year was this? Sorry to interrupt. I don't know. Yeah. Let's say like um like ninety six something like that. Maybe so like a heyday for Detroit yeah. underground mm-hmm. hip hop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. So so I, basically, what I'm getting at is it for me. They were kind of it, they made it seemed like it was something that I could do. You know what I mean? Like when you're just like mm. watching music videos on TV or like yeah. looking at pictures in, in the magazines and stuff, it always just seems like so inaccessible. You know what I mean? And then when you realize there's people that you know that are doing it and not only doing it, but that are, you know, doing it with people in my brain that I felt like were the greatest people like Slum and, you know, M and all that type of stuff. I'm like, oh, so like, it's that close, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's it's something that can be done. It's obtainable, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, for me, wasted youth was just uh, was uh, kind of like made rap real to me, you know, not just a piece of entertainment, but like something that I could do. But they they um yeah they they're kind of like in, in my opinion. I mean, if you go through all my albums, I try to get at least one of them on every album. Like mm. even Tone, Tone was on Everything's Fine. Uh, all of them were on Being You Is Great. But I, I feel like I kind of owe my whole career to their existence. Um, That's tight. And, you know. And they saw that talent in you. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was temporarily like, I'm not rapping anymore. Um, this was like, maybe like 2003 or something like that. I don't know. And I um, came back to Detroit and uh, and it was actually uh, Loose Cannon from Wasted Youth that was like, uh, you know, invited me over to the crib or something. We were listening to beats and I spit some of my raps, which I feel like at that time I was still kind of doing my raspy voice thing, like kind of, kind of like this, you know, <laughs> rapper, 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 you know, like Onyx type shit. Yeah, right. I'm not, you know, <laughs> and, um, and I remember him being like, yo, bro, like you have like a good voice, just your regular, you know, yeah, lispy, weird ass voice. And it was like, you should just rap in your voice. Yeah. And then, uh, being around them in Detroit and, you know, man, like listening to them, their beats and watching how Marlo and Tone made their beats. And they, I mean, they, they, yeah, they really brought me back into it. So, and they didn't even know I was rapping at that time. So mm-hmm. I was also like, oh, little Quelle rapping now, you know what I mean? So. And what an amazing time also, like a, like a main Detroit being like the center of rap pop culture then. Mm-hmm. They were in like a complex magazine. I thought that shit was like the wildest shit in the world. Like, y'all in a magazine too? <laughs> God damn. You met or worked with Proof or you knew him? I knew him. Yeah. Um, We never worked together. I was trying to uh, do a, a joint for him. I mm. think like right as he was passing. I was trying to get a beat for him. My homie uh, Mario was hooking it up. So we we had we had hung out or met a hand, a good handful of times, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say I left a mark on them. Mm. But I don't know. Who knows? You know. Yeah. Maybe that's just how I always kind of view things. I never really feel like I'm the important part of a story. 
but uh but we used to yeah i used to kick it over at iron fist uh studios a lot you know which was uh his shit i heard he was like a humble great guy that's all i've heard yeah he yeah. was he was he was ill as a motherfucker and like it was uh one thing that i always stuck out from just that little that period of time when i was there um was watching him watch people rap because he would always like predict what their next line was and That's I awesome. and I would think in my head like I don't I don't ever want this motherfucker to predict what I'm gonna say so I'm gonna all and that still will stick with me when I'm writing like I never want the next line to be predictable. <laughs> you you so he he inspired you to be very unorthodox exactly. with your couplets and stuff. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. How did you how did you start producing for Danny Brown? Oh, so uh, eighty seven from Wasted Youth was uh, working on an album with him and uh, Nick Speed. I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna let you know. Off rip. If you're looking for things to be chronological coming from my mouth, it's not gonna happen. I'm terrible <laughs> with time periods and with time in general. I don't really believe time exists. I feel like we're just constantly shifting through different universes, and that's a whole nother <laughs> talk show. Um, that's a whole nother time if yeah. time existed. Yeah, yeah, we'll <laughs> save that for another quote unquote time. Um, <laughs> And, but, and correct me if my chronology's wrong too. Oh yeah, shit. I don't, yeah. It don't matter, man. Yeah. It don't matter. None of it really matters. <laughs> I could I could tell you all types of shit that wouldn't even be true, and then all of a sudden it becomes true. That's how stories work, <laughs> right? Um, no. Uh, so they were working on an album. Uh, Eighty seven, Nick Speed, and Danny were working on an album, and uh, Eighty reached out to me and was like, "Yo, like I've been working on this shit with this dude, Danny." Um. And like, yo, you gotta check his shit out, and uh, so on. So like, he reminds me of you, like the the, the uh, whatever. I don't care who's listening. Like the you know the nigga be like, he don't even be like listening to like rap and shit. Like he just be listening to like crazy rock shit and shit. You know, yeah. like I feel like y'all would hit it off. Um. So at some point, uh, me and. My homie Van, who's a very transient uh, uh, black hippie, were went to Detroit for a show. I believe the show was in Ann Arbor or something. So that 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 night, or who knows, was it blind the Blind Pig? It was venue? at the Blind Pig. Yeah, yeah I love definitely. that venue. Yeah, um, and um, we uh, we went and linked up with them, and so at uh, somebody's crib. And they were playing some joints, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, this they on some shit." You know what I mean? Um, it was him, he was there. I feel like probably like B more some. Uh, Mike Luke was most likely there. Mike Luke was definitely there because uh, our, 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 he goes by Dopehead now, um, and because Dopehead, every time I met him, like the first like four times I met him, he was asleep. Like I guess he just would take a lot of naps at that time or something. <laughs> Um, but they played a bunch of shit, and one of the joints was Dopehead's Keep Em Watching, which I think is one of the greatest hip hop songs ever made. It's on the internet, you can go check it out. Um, and uh, and I uh, so I was like, Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, man. Like, I, I, I don't know if it was that night or if I emailed them later, but I just started, you know, dumping a bunch of beats on them, like, you know, mm. you know, go at them. You know, sometime later, I was getting word from like uh, Magnetic. Uh, Matt, an uh, uh, engineer in Detroit at the disc, probably one of the 
uh, there should probably there should probably be a documentary about Mad because I'm pretty. He, I feel like he's recorded so much great stuff that came out of Detroit. Like I can't, you know, anyone from Detroit has probably gone through that. But anyway, that's a whole nother talk show too. Hmm. Um, and uh, start getting worried, like, yo, Danny's like recording a bunch of joints over these, over the, over your beats. I was like, word, hell yeah, you know what I mean? All this, all, all this time, you know, I'm living my frantic, you know, drug and 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 alcohol fueled quelle life in Chicago, and then um, I, uh, I feel like it was Denmark or somebody was like, yo, or maybe House Shoes or something was like, yo, like. You hear the new, uh, you see that new Danny Brown video? Um, no, actually, because, no, I'm sorry. Let me let me go back, because he did do, he did Hot Soup first, and I did a, a joint called Head on there. Mm. But um, but then but then a little later, you know, I got a ring, and uh, they were like, yo, you see the new Danny Brown video? And it was re-up. Mm. And uh, so I watched it, and I was like, yo, like, <laughs> Yo, that shit's cold as hell. Like, I, I fuck with that shit. And then, and then uh, whoever I was talking to, I can't remember who I was talking to, was like, that's uh, that's your beat. Because uh, I, I make so much shit that sometimes I just don't, you know, Whoa. I forget. Whoa. And um, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, it is. I did make that. <laughs> You're like, man, whoever produced this is yeah, great. Yeah, that shit is cold. That sounds like some shit I would do. Um. <laughs> But uh, so, but then you know, so, uh, you know, apparently during that period when he was recording with Mag, he was working on uh, what turned out to be the hybrid, and um, yeah, a, a lot of the majority of the production was me, uh, Denmark, and my little brother, which was you know, pretty fucking cool uh, for me, and now now this is a this is a whole nother side story from that. Little did I know that when I was uh, in school in in Northern Michigan, I was uh, I used to kick it with his little brother or older brother. I don't know which one's older, but I used to kick it with his brother mm. all the time. And his brother was giving me all these um, CDs from. He would be like, "Yo, this is my brother's group. It's the Reservoir Dogs, and it was uh-huh. you know Chips, and uh, you know." And this dude named Danny Brown, and it all clicked. It was like uh, the end of uh, Usual Suspects. I was like, right. "Oh shit!" Like I've been listening to his shit years before we actually met, and yeah. years before we actually uh, worked together. But that's that. Yeah, all that kind of came together, which is probably why he liked those beats so much, right? Maybe so. But you know what? The Reservoir Dog shit was wasn't uh, wasn't the Danny that we got uh, on Hybrid. And I mean, definitely not the Danny that we got going in the, you know, all the later albums. Uh, it was they were more on like some kind of like Cheddar Boys, you know, doom, 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 you know, type stuff. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it was a it was a whole different feel then. But the shit was called though. I love the uh, the shotgun track with the where you sampled the Crooked Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, that's sick. I was the like Crooked well, Ninja Turtle. Guy. I, I was like, I was like, I've never thought I'd hear this sampled in a. In a song, it's uh, ill, man. What yeah. was it? What was the background behind that? Because that's such a very obscure, sick reference. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't remember why or how that came to be, um, but I do. I mean, you know, one of my favorite things to do 
and when I'm not super tied up like I am now with um, on the ass end of turning in this new album and got an animation that I'm like still working on that should have been done a long time ago and like just so many things but like when I'm not super tied down to a lot of jobs my one of my favorite things to do is just to sit you know now it's YouTube sit on YouTube and just for hours and hours, just watch everything, any and everything, uh, and just pull out clips that yeah. that I love. You know, what I mean, yeah. that stand out to me. Um, you know, and same way that you know I would do for if I'm looking for breaks or if I'm looking for samples. But um, it's just I just like moments and shows and and movies and commercials yeah. and things like that. I just like ingesting all of that and finding things that I like and I have gigs of just shit that I'm never going to use but just it just resonated with me so I'm sure it was just kind of one of those things where you know yeah. I was like spent one day just watching nothing but episodes of Ninja Turtles and just grabbing clips that I like and uh that one just seemed fitting to uh you know me Danny and and, and uh Rock doing a joint it's like YouTube <laughs> Digging in crates. Yeah, kind of. exactly. <laughs> like the new version of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What was it like in Detroit at that era? Did you ever run into like the Juggalo culture and ICP in that world? Because I know they worked um, at the disc. My experiences with Juggalo life were more heavy in Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Oh. But I did, uh, I used to work at a Blockbuster on like Nine Mile or Ten Mile. I can't remember exactly where it was. And uh, that was that was like just on that cusp of like you know like crossing eight mile, getting closer to seven mile, it gets a little blacker. You know, crossing nine mile and going north, it gets a little whiter. But that that little pocket of area there is just like I don't I don't know I don't know if this is a true statement or not. But from my experience, especially when I was working at that blockbuster, like that is. That is that is a, a juggalo heavy area. Okay. So we used to get a lot of like, you know, uh, you know, you you always can tell a juggalo even if they don't have the the if they're not wearing the paint, right? Because right. like it'll, it'll just be like a very juggaloish hairstyle, especially at that time, like early two thousands or something like that. You know, it'd yeah. be like, um, you know, like like the little braids. Like the multi multi braids and like some real low cut on the side, or like maybe like one of those dick cuts. You know what I'm talking about? Like right. the dickhead uh, haircut. And the and the uh, and the junkos. Um, yeah, yeah, the big pants. Big big ass pants. They you don't know need what I mean? to be wearing the merch necessarily. Right? No, uh, uh-uh, uh, yeah. no. You're just like, oh, that motherfucker's a juggalo. <laughs> I know it. But I used to work with a juggalo. Um, uh, when I was working in Chicago uh, doing bike deliveries for a sandwich spot. And um, yeah, man, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a, a, such a heavy thing. It's, 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 it takes over people's oh, yeah. lives. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, look, like, I, I fuck with ICP extra heavy. Um, and generally, juggalos are, like, mad sweet. Yeah. But like somehow at the same time, like the biggest dickheads in the world. I don't know how they do it. It's like this interesting duality with Juggalos where it's like, yo, you're nice as hell. And then like 
the next seconds you hear whoop whoop and then they're like swinging on somebody and like what the hell like we were we were just like hugging and and then now you're like whooping somebody's ass it's like, well, and and usually it's because that person was racist or mm, like did something like yeah. offended a mm-hmm. woman or something yeah, yeah. so this this is it's kind of like, it's funny we did the watchman song mm-hmm. on the new album they have this vigilante element yeah I yeah i think it yeah. permeates the culture right exactly yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 a ill ass it's some ill ass shit I, I used to know so many ICP songs, and now the only one I still remember is The Great Malenko. Isn't that, <laughs> 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 that is that's classic. <laughs> they, you know, they have it. They they're supposed to have a record come out this in October, and it got pushed back. Yeah, but it's deep. They're on the second deck of the Joker's cards, mm. and it's like it's interesting how you know. I don't know if you know Megaran, and I played the Gathering. Oh man, I want to go it one was day. Dope. One of the, one of these years, I'm gonna go. Next year's the twentieth. That might be a good one to go to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, it's like a milestone that it's been twenty years of it. Yeah, that's also crazy and, too. And it was outside of Columbus, and I, it's this. I don't know. I feel like it's this. People look out for each other, but it's also this element of a lot of hip hop to me is about building your own friendships and world and culture. And mm-hmm. they, they, that seems like Detroit is a very like been a, a nexus point for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what you guys do um, is kind of that that same thing. I mean, it's not not the same <laughs> as uh, Juggalo lifestyle, but you know, what I mean, like your your guys' core group and fan base and things like that. It's it's kind of it's kind of similar. Like, I don't know if you guys have a name, but like it's very <laughs> yeah. similar. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, the, it's a unique. It's a it's a unique, sensitive, intelligent audience. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that's the kind of people who buy your records too. Like I have a I have a, a lot of I have a multiple pockets mm-hmm. of people that I don't think would all listen to the same shit. And that's because every album I kind of have a different uh, aesthetic that I'm going for. You know what I mean? So what I was getting at is like a lot of people that uh listen that listened to me and got hooked with like being you is great. Aren't the same people that listen and got hooked uh, off of like the sun, where like the last song is uh, we're selling drugs, we fucking bitches, we doing, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's it's two different. I I I I, I, I totted the line between a lot of different worlds. You know what I mean? Well, um, that's kind of in the dreamer in the in the den of wolves. You have those two voices, right? Mm-hmm. On the hook, I thought yeah. that's dope. Going oh, back yeah. and forth. That's a that's a mean ass song right there. That's it. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I think I exist in two different worlds of hip hop, like niggas that like real hard shit. And then like, you know, uh, people that like things that are more calming and reassuring and with like, uh, anime characters as their, uh, Abby, you know what I mean? So that's interesting. That's like, a, but that I feel like is where hip hop culture is now, right? Mm-hmm. It's the intersection of all of that. Yeah. And that's yeah. The, kind of the identity there. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> No, nah, I would, I would, I would compare my fan base to uh, your shirt, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like it's, you got like a, a, a grouping of like cartoon characters yeah. and uh, and uh, grizzly detectives. <laughs> you know what I mean? You had that Mad Magazine reference, right? In Which but one? in Popeye, you referenced Spy vs. Spy. Oh yeah, and Wiley Coyote. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like cool to me listening to your stuff. How it's it's a specific intersection of the pop culture world, which 
you're not afraid to make like weird connections mm-hmm. and have a, it's, I like that you're not afraid to be weird. And I say that as a compliment. I don't, I don't think anyone should be afraid to be weird. And I also find like when you like really get to know a person, everybody is a little weird. You yeah. know what I mean? Just right. people don't like to admit it out in public. You know what I mean? And especially now where everything is just so like facade like I, that's not a word, but every, you yeah. know, everything is like, your public image and likes and things like that. Like mm-hmm. no one likes to admit that like they like, you know, they just like weird shit. You know what I mean? How did you meet meet up with the Mellow Music team? I was uh being a like friendship managed. Yeah. Like a buddy uh, I had a buddy manager. Like he he wasn't necessarily my manager, but uh my homie John Kim and I guess he kind of brokered that relationship if i'm not mistaken mm. and uh he was like you know mellow is interested or something somehow it happened i feel like uh mike is the one uh, uh the uh, owner of mellow is the one that reached out and i feel like maybe like he heard shotgun and sleek rifle or something mm-hmm. and liked it and um and at that time like i was uh you know, I, that was around when I just got laid off from that job. So I thought, like, I honestly, like, thought that that was going to, like, change my life. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. ooh, I'm about to get sun. There's going to be so much money. Everything's about to get popping. And nothing really changed that much. But, um, but yeah, no. So I think uh, Mike just reached out to me, and we got to chopping it up and, um, you know, in hindsight, looking back, it's it's been uh, a roller coaster of a ride, which I think all relationships can be that way. Mm. But it's it's been a, a great ride too. At the, initially, I just wanted the money. I'm not even gonna lie. Mm. <laughs> like I was, I was like, I don't, you know, whatever. Cool. You're a label. You got you're giving me some sort of advance. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> you know what I mean. But um, I think. Uh, it's been interesting to watch the label grow over the last, uh, you know, whatever, seven years or six years or something. In what way? In what ways do you think it's been good? Like, did they help you with mixing engineers and stuff, or do you just kind of deliver the master? Oh no, I'm I'm definitely lone wolf when it comes to the label. Yeah, uh, I I like doing everything, if not myself, with people that I'm familiar with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I do I kinda keep everything in house. Um but you know, um I mean, you know, a, a lot of it, especially earlier, was kinda like things like PR and a lot of stuff that I just would a lot reaching a lot of markets and people that I just probably wouldn't have mm. on my own. Mm. Um and uh you know with with a with a label you know you you get that that branding that they have or whatever you know what i mean so like someone if someone's yeah. just a fan of some other artist on mellow they're likely to find your music and you know maybe hopefully like it you know what i mean they trust that brand yeah they trust the brand it's nice to be able to focus on the craft of it right mm-hmm. yeah you're working on a new album with them or yeah. Cool. Yeah. Can we talk about it or is it too soon? 
Yeah, sure. Let's let, we could allude. Okay, we can allude to things. We can have like a very uh, alluding conversation. Time but. doesn't exist, so it's okay. Who cares, right? <laughs> Who gives a shit? Um, yeah, I'm working on a new joint. I've been getting like really into the idea of like spells. And, okay, and I feel like it's always been something I've been interested in when it comes to music. Um, you know, when you like music itself is is and art in general is like such a powerful tool and it's in, it's always been interesting to me how like you know like if someone like asks you like so what do you do and you're like i'm a i'm a rapper I'm yeah. like what uh, i'm a rapper you know <laughs> what i mean but uh, but yeah. it's something that we should be a lot more a lot more proud or prouder which mm-hmm. one is it I yeah don't, I, prouder right i don't know, I don't know. Prouder. <laughs> Um, about, because, you know, what we do is, is used to shift the climate of an entire decade of not like a half a decade, half a decade, half a decade or whatever. Um, you know, uh, when artists were, you know, doing, uh, I'm black and I'm proud, you know. Black people were out there walking around like I'm black and I'm proud. When artists started doing, uh, you know, lean with it, rock with it, everybody was walking around with long t-shirts, leaning and rocking with it. Hmm. You know, and and the powers that be know that, and they use it too uh, to their own means and are in the way of controlling it in a way that they can control the climate of a certain group of people. You know what I mean? And that's the outside of like the huge financial shifts of things that happen with like internet. I say that that was kind of one of the most double edged sword positive and, and negative things that came with uh, internet music and the accessi- and the accessibility of being able to release your music to a lot of people is that it, it threw off their ability to stop certain messages from getting out. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, but anyway, going back to what I'm saying is there's spells in music. I mean, I know there's been times when you've listened to a song on the radio and you've thought, like, I know exactly why this song is a hit. I could have made that if I wanted to, but uh, I just chose not to because <laughs> I knew I didn't want to be the person to to give out that message or cast yeah. that spell and whatever the uh, the way it affects people. Um, I'm probably not explaining this the best way, but ultimately, the the well, what led me to shift into making this particular album was two things. Um, one, I, I understand how it works. I've always understood how it works. I've chosen to make the music that I make because I want to get some new new things out there. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Um, but with this album, I'm trying out all the different spells. I'm grabbing all the different weapons that are used in different ways and I'm I'm brandishing them in my own particular way. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that's I want to hear it now. Yeah. I, I already did, but <laughs> you know my first rap song I did uh, was for a, a class assignment to uh-huh. study Macbeth and the chant the witches have is like trochaic tetrameter double double toil and trouble mm-hmm. they're casting spells as they make this potion to yeah. mess with this guy's life. Mm-hmm. And I was like the cadence of that 
could be the hook. And that was my first song. I called it Rap Beth. That's crazy. And I was like 16. <laughs> so I feel you on that because it's like, yeah, as chorus, a message, It's there's a magic to it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Oh, it, yeah. It, and I don't think a lot of people realize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I'm, I, I wish I was, I was came more prepared to get into this conversation, but yeah, there's, there is a distinct power behind image and sound mm-hmm. uh, that alters the the way people behave. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, I just find that so interesting all the all the time all the time and um and yeah so i'm just kind of playing around with that on this album so what's so what's your process like because i know you're a producer and an mc yeah and a storyteller and you have can do all these different voices and so are you just you lock yourself up and just write or do you work with other people or um well uh production wise his majority of my history has been just 100 percent solo uh, I keep to myself, um, et cetera. But uh, over the last some odd years, you know, I've become a lot more uh, like give and take and working with uh, my brothers like Chris Keys and like Bay Bro and kind of like fleshing out songs and building on mm. things together. Um, writing, I, I am a chronic pacer. You know what I mean? Like if, if I'm writing... And you put me in a room, I'm probably gonna drive you crazy because I'm gonna be walking back and forth. So I usually just have to like burst out of the room and just walk like blocks. Like I'll walk for like hours if need be. Did you write on your phone? Uh, lately, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to, you know, keep pads heavy. Yeah. But uh, uh, I just, oh, I know it feels, I hate saying it, but yeah, I did convert to the church of uh, phone writing over the last like some odd years. Yeah. Has that changed how, you, how your brain forms the pattern seeing the screen or not? Initially it did. Yeah. It, it took a little getting used to. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a product of force, you know what I mean? But initially it, it, it changed how it, how it flowed you know what i mean because i think there there was something to putting the pen to the paper or the pencil to the paper and like you know getting that uh uh illegible (laughs) yeah shit on the paper and then you know going back and trying to figure out what the hell you wrote for one but like you know the flow of it almost kind of helped with the flow of how you were putting it together so like for me one of the things that i had to do was find out how I want to, how I like to lay out my words. You know what I mean? Because, like, you yeah. know, when you when you used to write, like, you would separate things in certain ways. I know people that would just do, like, a slash between things. I know people that would do, like, the line, 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 and yeah. each on its own line. And, you know, there's... So I think that was the main thing was just to make sure... Um, because a lot of times you, you, I wasn't recording immediately was to figure out how to make sure that when I go back and read it, I still remember the cadence and the, and the pauses and what the notation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, so what if, what's, what have you found? You do like asterisks or, um, well, one thing I do is I'll put, uh, like if, if it's one where I know 
that I'm getting a little gnarly with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll I'll put like um let's say like it's uh um uh you know I poop in my shoe or something and I'll that's not a good example. <laughs> That's that's real simple, but you know, like uh, let's say it's whatever it is. I'll put like a let's like a one and a three mm. uh, within the line, so I know like this word drops on the one, mm. and then by the time I get to this word, I should be hitting the the three. That's you know awesome. what I mean. So then I remember like okay, like it's da 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 because I I know yeah. like this word is supposed to hit this count. You That's know, smart. I, I do um, brackets for uh, that similar thing. Like mm. if I know it's there's, I used to do a circle. I'll do a bracket so I know there's a rest mm. before the pickup. Yeah. So that's smart though. Numbers. I like that because mm. then you specifically know which beat you're counting. Yeah, on. exactly. That's, I, if, I might use that. Ha- yeah. Oh no. It's, <laughs> Thank it, you. It, it works like a charm, especially yeah. you know if I'm having uh, having a wild night. You know what I mean? I wake up the next day. I'm like, how the hell did I? <laughs> This is, how the hell did I make this work? It was so dope last yeah, night. Right, yeah. exactly. So so that that's been something that I did and and then um I found that over time I just started almost writing in like damn near paragraph form. Like I don't separate anything. It's yeah. just like all one blob of words. I remember you when you sent Megaran the verse for when you were on Watchmen, it was like a paragraph. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. it was tight. <laughs> and it was like uh like for so some background. So those of you who haven't heard it, um, Quelle plays Ozzy Mandius on our yes. Watchmen song. Yeah, that was so fresh that you pinch hit it and came and just fit. that was one of our last songs <laughs> for the record. And you you recorded so quickly. Yeah. Now, how did you make a Rand link? Um, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say the internet. Yeah. But I I I don't know. Again, chronological shit not gonna happen here. <laughs> kids but uh i know i feel like when i was um uh starting or at least like when i was starting promo for the song buddies Mm. you know i don't know if you saw i made like that like uh like uh like beat em up style gif of uh me like three me's you know and you know knocking out some criminals you know what i'm saying yeah and um so i I think i reached out to ran around that time or mega or yeah i think ran people call him his real name yeah people when i when when i'm with him and it's like old friends they always call him ran okay because he used to call himself random i guess oh yeah that's right mega random yeah okay yeah so let's go with ran okay so um (laughs) so i i feel like i reached out to him on one of these uh social media outlets and was like, yo, like, you know, I know he's heavy in like the gaming world. So I was like, yeah. do you happen to know someone that might be able to help me maybe develop this into like one full level? Mm. And um, I think he did give me like a suggestion, and then I didn't care anymore because <laughs> like something else happened, you know. <laughs> but you got life. it done, though. You no, I didn't do it. Uh-oh. I didn't do it. But um, but it was kind of like the precursor to what I ended up doing for that zero video. Which uh, I don't know if you saw that one. Um, I, I I haven't seen it yet. I'm sorry. Oh, you got to see it. So zero video. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh from uh, yeah. zero from everything's fine, and uh, it's you know Jean has always had this kind of assassin narrative going through her albums, so uh, I thought it would be a real cool idea, and also just like flattering, 
Like it was it was for the video, but it was also just because like I wanted to do something for my baby. But um, it's a it's it's a full sixteen bit video game of uh of her just running around killing a bunch of people. I got to see that. Yeah, it's it's really it's really on point. So, but anyway, it was a precursor to me doing that because I was like, you know, I got into just you know sprite design and stuff like that, and then. M- Making the game or making the video, my that's so working on the video, it was weird because like, like about like halfway through the process of working on the the video, I would like run into moments like you know like let's say I'm working on like when the guy shoots her, I'm like man, dog, this part of the game is so annoying. Like I started like feeling like I was like watching a speed run of a game over and over and yeah. over. So ultimately, that led me to like downloading like Unreal, and the lofty goal of eventually turning that video into an actual playable game. Wow! Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So you're an animator as well as it. Oh yeah, yeah. I started animating in like maybe it was like high school or something. Like I went out to like Dick Blick and bought like the sales and all that stuff, and um, and then ultimately realized like I, I. uh, I'm terrible at painting and shit, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I was I've always been into animation, and then I think like somewhere around college, someone introduced me to uh, like uh, Flash and shit, mm. and uh, so like you know, I, what I liked most about Flash was that I could still do frame by frame, which yeah. is like the only thing that makes sense to me. I've never been good with like the key point mm. animations and stuff. Um, I did. A video for MC Cohen from uh, uh, Cohen Beats recently uh, for his uh, Stones Throw, and that one I did a lot of keyframe stuff. And while I really love the video, I'm just not into keyframes. Like my favorite thing is just frame by frame, draw each frame, draw each frame. Yeah. So, um, so Adobe Character Design. Do you know that program? I know of it. I it's know definitely it. keyframe based. But what's cool about it is like I like. I did a video with it where if I were to record, like if we were to record, import this, we mm-hmm. could do it, just just automate a podcast of our heads talking. Ah, uh, yeah, Which yeah. is cool because it does the phonetic symbols. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely like not, it's definitely looks kind of like you paid someone on Fiverr to do it, you know? Right, like, right. See, yeah. yeah it's not I've, fresh. And I've, always, I've always just liked the, the nuances of frame by frame animation too. Yeah. Especially for me because I'm like a, even in my music making process and everything, I like mistakes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. So when you're doing like frame by frame, you can get a lot of nuance that you don't get with keyframe animation. A lot of life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um uh so like with the zero video, it was cool because, you know, uh Photoshop, you can do frame by frame in Photoshop. Um and it was it was cool because, you know, working on the sprite animations, it was like a mix between frame by frame work and keyframe work because because mm. I because I wasn't necessarily programming like a game. What I ended up doing is I just ended up doing the the all of the all of the movements and then taking them from Photoshop and then dropping them into After Effects and keyframing mm. the the animations moving across the screen. Because you, know you could I mean? like layer a loop. Yeah, exactly. That's that's crazy. How long did it take you? 
Um, I think it was like a couple months, handful yeah. of months, something like that, off and on. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, but the, that's the cool thing about animation is you don't have to pay actors, right? You don't have to no, you have just, a crew you're feeding. Yeah, you <laughs> just have to uh, destroy your mind for like <laughs> months at a time. Yeah. It's such a tedious thing. It's it's always like it's this it's such a weird moment of gratification because like it's like seven hours of just uh, uh, uh. yeah and then you kind of go back and you watch it and you get like that point five seconds of like of like a movement like oh almost there like seven hours later and then and then like you're like oh that's that's the I think that's the whole thing. And you go back and you watch it and you get that like three seconds of gratification. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Forever though. Yeah, which, right. Which yeah. is worth it. Like yeah. like like writing, I guess. But I guess writing is more fluid and less right in terms of time. Oh like, yeah. It's, it's a it's a whole different thing because it's it's uh it's a lot of repeti- repetition. Cause like, you know, the the fun part is the idea. Yeah. The not fun part is it's it's like if you were if you were writing a verse, but then you had to like do like Bart Simpson at the beginning of Simpsons, like you had to write each line a hundred times, right? You right, know what I mean? Right, it's yeah, like okay. it, it loses its its <laughs> charm after like the hundredth frame. You know what I mean? So, but you know, ultimately the the goal is to uh, destroy your your social life uh, <laughs> for a, a couple months, and and but for those like two minutes of magic. that creativity through motion Mm -hmm. it just struck me this interesting parallel that you said your father designed shoes Mm -hmm. so he did creativity through motion in people's feet right yeah that's like you've got that that you're so you came from a creative family yeah uh my i mean outside of just shoe design he was just a phenomenal like painter artist in general and a great pianist he would play piano he would play the roads like you know a lot you know i was about to wow. say every day but that's probably not true but he would play the roads and you know and you know so we i got to listen to him play music and and he would he would have us draw you know what i mean like he would like buy like large canvases and just you know encourage art you mm. know, in the household so that's a blessing mm-hmm. and that you were able to live in different creative places and yeah like it's like you said earlier in our interview like that you've been blessed with beautiful people around you. Oh, yeah. And I think so much that is what defines who keeps going creatively versus who throws in the towel, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. Got, you got to have that, that fire, these people around you. That's what I love about New York is that, you know, all the people I've, like you and people I've met in the city who I'm, you know, honored to know. It's like, I don't know. I feel like if I didn't live here or didn't live in such a progressive place, I might not have that you fire. You might be like, fuck this shit. Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Let me do data entry. Exactly. Which is right. fresh. Like, Which I'm sure. Is, yeah, data entry is. <laughs> Look, man. It's, it's fine. I'll say this. I failed account. Uh, I failed in college. I failed three different accounting classes. So <laughs> salute to everyone and anyone who can do that shit. It's creative problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm not that person. Um, so yeah, salute to all the data data entry people out there. Uh, you don't want this life. <laughs> you keep our planet uh, functioning. Yeah, exactly. Yo, I, I've done like I used to. I've done like the gamut of like fast food jobs and shit. Yeah, and I always and I always like 
there would be a part of me all the time that would think like, yo, like people that work these jobs should get paid so much more because mm. it it it's like the constant fuel throughout for people throughout the day. And it's such a, uh, especially like if you work like a lunch shift or something. Yeah. Yo, salute to all those motherfuckers out there that do that. Because like that is such a high intensity job. And ungrateful and people sometimes maybe. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. It's like. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, basically like, basically what I'm getting at uh, is that people, people will be like, um, yo, like I wish I had your life. I'm like, bro, you don't want this shit. Like, <laughs> what you, what you do is amazing. Yeah, is needed, uh, and it's uh, and you know what's coming up next. I never know what's coming up next. You know what I mean? You are married to an artist as well. Yes, I am. Congratulations on your nuptials. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and and we were talking that earlier because you and know, congratulations on yours too. <laughs> thank you. We um, yeah, like I appreciate that. Being finding a find, you know. For me, it's always I've always had a lot of fun and enjoyment being on my own, doing my projects. So finding someone who kind of understands that space and also, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I guess we we have that in common. We're both married to creative people, and yeah. obviously, your wife is a professional. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's, yeah. it's mega important because I feel like if I was with uh, someone who was uh, in data entry. They would be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing like with your life? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's 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 so great to be with someone where I can go, hey, I'm about to go to the studio today, and then and they're not like oh. you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, hell yeah, you know, yeah. like you're getting shit done. Like they understand, like she That's understands, awesome. you know what I mean? Um and you know, likewise, you know, and um I think we're both somewhat like lone wolf type workers. So I just kind of let her do her thing, you know, pick her brain, see what she's working on, step back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I'm probably more than anything also kind of a little more of like a helper bee. Like I want to, like, you need a a hand with that? Can I help? It's like, no, dude, like I got it. Yeah. that's true. That's true. That's true. Because <laughs> if like if I was working on a beat and she was to be like, "Yo, like, can I help you with that beat?" I'd be like, "No." Yeah. You know what I mean? So I understand. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just awesome being with someone that understands what you do. You know. You touched on something good because something I've learned is, um, you don't want to ever you want to respect your partner's vision, and so when she's when you have a creative partner, yeah, like. You don't want to give input that's not asked for, mm-hmm, and I think that's right. what that, I'm basically re-saying what you said, yeah, mm-hmm. and that's like important. Mm-hmm. But also, it's knowing when to, like, for me, when my playing mm, demos or something, it, when it's the right time, yeah. when someone has an open heart to listen to it, right? right? Yeah, yeah, that's important too. And and, and yeah, it's a be- it's it's the most beautiful thing, and sometimes it's it's the scariest thing. But <laughs> it's like I wouldn't want it any other way, you know? Yeah. No, no, I, I, I don't think, uh, I mean, I can be a handful anyway, but I don't think, I don't think it, I could, I could imagine, um, you know, especially at this point in my life being with someone that isn't also, you know, a creative and, uh, and a, a career, a career, a career creative. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What was it like? You made a record with her. It's called Everything's Fine. It's yeah. ill. It's mm-hmm. a really dope record. And I've never met anyone who made an album with his wife. 
or but then you were were you married or before that? No, we weren't. We weren't okay. married yet. Partner. Yeah. Now yeah. wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the interesting thing is, I like I feel like people like feel like we're like in like some sort of like love and hip hop type relationship where we're like constantly at why is like love and hip hop they're always at a at a, a event opening of some sort or like at some sort of like showcase but anyway like i feel like people feel like we just walk around rapping together all the time <laughs> but we don't yeah you know what i mean we we live generally regular ass lives and um so for one of the best parts about making that project for me was actually watching Gene work. Like we've made like things together. Mm. We've done like those, like uh, that's not how you do that albums. Uh, we've worked on like some songs for a couple Christmas albums in the, and over the, <laughs> over the course of our mm. relationship. Um, and I mean, you know, we've done a lot of creative things together. Um, <laughs> we did like the plays we did. Oh, we've done like a lot of shit, but um, this was the, first time that I feel like I got to actually watch her do the craft of emceeing. And it was just cool to see the, the, uh, like I, I, in general, I just like watching how people approach emceeing. Mm. You know I mean? It's just, it's like a, like if you're, if you like sports watching how someone else, you know, plays ball or if you're like, if you're a swordsman, you watching how someone else, you know, handles their swords, you know. Yeah. So, um, so it was cool because she's so she's so she's a lot more precise than I am, you know what I mean. And there was even there was even kind of moments where like sh- she could hear things being just a little bit off in a way that I would never even give a shit to pay attention mm. to you know mm. what i mean so like watching like beats or lyrics or uh just uh like lyrics and yeah, stuff like yeah. where she was like ah you know like that's just like a split second late you know what i mean wow and um so it's just awesome to watch how her brain works in that world and also to watch her produce and stuff like that because in the same thing you know i've seen her make music before and stuff but this is the like kind of like and we've done like so many shows together too and things like that but this was like the first time i feel like i actually got to watch how she operates creatively mm. when it comes to hip-hop and it was, it was just it was a sight to behold she's she is quite quite a fucking beast <laughs> that's quite cool a beast yeah what inspired you to y'all to do that album um a series of misfortune of unfortunate <laughs> events yeah <laughs> Um, uh, uh, pretty much like, uh, something happened, which led to something else happening, which led to, uh, some, which led to something not happening, which led to us being like, well then fuck it, let's make this album. Mm. That's, that's kind of, it's not a, it's not a glamorous story. Okay. But, um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it just, it was the right thing to do at the time yeah. because there was a void in, um, in the creative, uh endeavors at the at the moment so it was like you know there's this opening you know we could we could do this or we could do this or we could make an album together yeah and it was like well the the obvious choice is make an album together and i mean it's like it's like i've made records with with friends you know mm-hmm. full records and it's like if you can get through that and your friendship can survive 
Oh. You know what I'm saying? So if it's a marriage, if it's a girlfriend or a partner, that's a huge test to your bond. Oh, it's a testament yeah. to your bond, right? Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, we were like broken by the end of that album, and it's be- and we we had uh, you know, got much love to the labels out mm-hmm. there. We had a deadline, which I hate fucking album deadlines that I think yeah. is such a scar to the creative process. But you know, this is an industry and a job. You know, is is as fun as it can be at times. It's a job, so mm. you know, we had a deadline that we were trying to meet, and uh, or not that we had to meet. And so, like, it was just so, it was a lot of, like, you know, much love to uh, Gene, love you, baby, and much love to uh, Bay Bro, because, like, it was just a lot of, like, and, like, afternoon to, like, five, six, seven a.m. sessions, mm. you know what I mean? Just ironing, ironing everything out, ironing everything yeah. out, ironing everything out. And then, you know, then you get into the mixing part portion. Which I feel like by the time we got to mastering and mixing and mastering, which uh, my homeboy said, I said, amazing musician, go check out I said's music, but he's also like mixed and mastered like my last some odd projects. And like by the time we got to that point, like Gene didn't even give a shit about the album. <laughs> like she, she, she was like, you handle that. I'm, I need to get a break because like we really, we yeah. really like went in heavy. She trusted your ears on the on birthing that baby. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I, cool. Yeah, and 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 the reaction has been great, right? Like the press mm-hmm. and yeah, people loved it. It's awesome, man. Yeah, it was crazy because like after I after I turned it in, I, we didn't listen to the album. Like I, I still don't think I've gone back and actually listened through the entire album because really? we just, we put in so much time in yeah. such a short period of time to make yeah. it. So I'm just taking people's word for it at this point. <laughs> like when people are like, "Yo, that everything's fine is murder, man." I'm like, "Yeah, sure. What you what what you said? Yeah, you know what I mean?" Because we just had to push it away from us. You know yeah, what I mean? Right? Because we went in so heavy. And how what was the total like peer length from like first conceptualizing it to getting the master? Um see, you you hitting me with time questions. Um I mean I'm gonna say like a a a handful of months or so, like so pretty quick. Five yeah, five months or four months or something. So it was yeah, it was a really quick turnaround. And then you figure at that around that time too, like you know, Gene has a lot of other creative endeavors going on, as do I. So, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like hard on mm-hmm. for months. But, you know, uh, you, I don't know if you're this type of uh, creative, but procrastination is a motherfucker. So, like, you know, like there was a we were doing a lot of exchanging of ideas and I was recording a lot of roughs. She was recording a lot of roughs. And um and then it was like, oh yeah, you have two days to finish it. You know what I mean? So like, we just had to finish the album or the roughs. Um, no, no, like to finish the album. So I, yeah, I feel geez. like it, I feel like it, you know the first couple months were just like getting the ideas going. Sure. For the first like month or something, and then the next month was just like Rambo recording. You know. Uh, you know, for all my favorite albums have been like that. Like collaborations are not like working for months on roughs and mm-hmm. and then picking 
the best, like if I'll do 20 songs, best like 11. Right. That's right. like this album with Mega Ran, like that we did 22 songs and it's 13 tracks. Yeah. One of which yeah. you're on. And like, that was cool because we really had the luxury of making this big draft that we then narrowed down to. And then when it's like, when you came through, we were at the end of like a long week session. Like mm -hmm. it has to be like, like super hardcore to have that like, okay, we're, we're, we're inking, we're inking, we're doing the paint on these cells. Right, now. right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Did, were there any songs you didn't use or did you end up using everything? Um, Yeah, there, I feel like there were. Yeah. I can't remember what they were now. Yeah. Um, there was, and there was a couple songs that like the, I, I think like the Nick Offerman interlude, the beat behind that is actually what I initially wrote Gold Purple Orange over. Oh, cool. Yeah. So like there's a couple things like that, like things that kind of got shifted around and changed and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, um, and like we really wanted um, Paz uh, from uh, from Dela on Gold Purple Orange, but we mm. never we didn't have enough time to make it happen. And like there's just a lot of things that we planned on putting on the album, but just due to time and, you know. Yeah. Things like that got shifted around. But I I, yeah. I will say, like, I feel like we used the majority of what we did. That's yeah. good. Mm -hmm. And that's the nature of like good art is having a deadline, having structure, mm -hmm. and having people who can keep you in check. Yeah. Because otherwise it's you remember that Guns N' Roses record that took forever? For like Yeah, that I'm dude, dude. Every every one of my albums would take like two to three years if it was up to me. <laughs> yeah that sounds like you have, so speaking of good people you have good business people around you mm -hmm. who help you filter your yeah. ideas yeah but um i mean but i guess like when i think about it like um being you is great has like popeyes on it right that i think i made about like almost maybe like four years before the album actually came out really um uh ghost at the finish line was about like a few years mm -hmm. um uh innocent country was a few years like i, I do like if, if given the chance i will take my damn time on the album yeah like, just slowly accrue uh, uh, things because like sometimes you know like life, life like you can only get so many moments in like a short period of time yeah and i don't you know i don't really crank out my songs just off of like uh you know, whatever common themes, you know what I mean? A lot of things, a lot of times I, I take just inspiration from, from life. Mm. So like, you know, you might, I might have a couple months where I just, there's just nothing I want to write about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I might have like a week where I'm just going ham. And then I might have like about five more months where I'm like, you know, I, I want to like draw more or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I like yeah. If, if it was up to me, every album would take forever. Cause I, I like just the slow building, and I'll go back and I'll start like picking out songs, and there'll be like a beat that I made like four years ago that mm. I didn't even like, and then I'll hear it like four years later, and all of a sudden it makes sense to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause of yeah. where I happen to be in my life. So I like that time. I like I like letting things just kind of marinate. Yeah. And you, I remember this quote Bukowski always said, like, write and then put it away for a week, like with writing lyrics or whatever, and then you'll know if it's good. Oh, yeah. But don't edit. Oh, y'all got a cat. That's Gus. He just came to say hi. Hi, hey. Gus. How you doing, Gus? This is Quelle, Gus. <laughs> He's like, yeah. what are you guys doing? We got a cat named Littles. <laughs> He's the shit. 
Cats are a great New York pet. Oh, yeah. Because you don't have to take them out. I think cats are just the best pet, yeah. hands down. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, hopefully you don't end up with an asshole cat, because I know a lot of people end up with asshole cats, but like, if you happen to have the right cat, bruh. Like you never I, want a tour. Yo, like, yo. <laughs> like, dog people, you know, whatever, you know, kudos to you, blah, 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 but like. I don't like a a good cat. You can't beat that shit at all, dog. Yeah, and they are. They I think they have a lot more subtle personality mm-hmm. than a dog. Dogs have personality. Oh, dogs have hella personality, yeah. but but cats. Um, was he eating? Is he trying to eat eat food? Mm-hmm. I can't see him, but yeah, he's giving me the eye right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no cats. Cats they they. They have that they have a, a, a independent nature about them. Yeah. That makes them feel more human to me. Like a dog feels like a dog. Right. You know what I mean? And the dogs are generally like trained and formed into what you want them to be. Yeah. But like a cat is just gonna be whatever that cat happens to be. <laughs> and that and there and there ain't shit you could do about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no poly, no apologies. No apologies. <laughs> like like you know, I've I've read like a lot of cause like I ha- I've had three cats in my life, right? And my first one I didn't really do much studying on like cat care. You know what okay. I mean? It was just like, you know, your this the homie. His name was Meow Meow Lamar Akbar. Meow 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 Lamar Akbar. Um, That's um, but like with this, with the cat that we have now, you know, I've done a lot more research and it's interesting because like they say like, you're not even supposed to like scold cats and tell them not to like scold, scolding uh-huh. them makes them act out more. Uh. Like you're supposed to teach them, uh, how to do the right thing by, uh, showing them like love instead or something like that. I'm probably saying this all wrong. Interesting. But ultimately, basically what I'm saying is like you can't break these motherfuckers. Like there's, there's nothing you can do. Like it's yeah. like this is just who I am. Yeah. And then you just kind of got to get used to them, you know? It's almost like they're rappers in a way. Exactly. Or or some independent mm-hmm. very in, I think as um, I guess my point is as rappers ourselves we can identify with that personality. Yeah, yeah. We don't I like being scolded. Yeah. It doesn't help yeah. us. Don't tell me what to do, bro. <laughs> just 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 make sure my food's there when I need my food. <laughs> And uh, you know, yeah, and, and I might sleep, right? Exactly, and I might come out, I might come out and kick it with you later. I might, you know, what like I mean? Gus just did. Yeah, I might come and kick it with you. He is his his stories. He was a rescue from a friend of my wife, and then he was like kind of treated poorly. Mm-hmm. So she kind of has before I met her tried to she you know he does he's missing most of his teeth and stuff. Yeah, but she tried to like love and show him to trust, and it's been. It's cool that he just came out to say hi because he's really scared of people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I agree with, I see what you're saying with him because the love has made him like a more, he's learned to trust humans because he was kind of like stepped on, you know? Right, right. Which is, yeah. which is kind of a beautiful, I don't know, I, I feel really special that he trusts me and you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, their whole, their whole, uh, uh, get up is about trust yeah. you know what i mean it's yeah. about eventually getting to the point that i feel like i i feel safe around the people that i'm around you know what i mean where yeah. i think like a lot of times dogs want to be protectors mm. you know cats are looking for uh uh trust you yeah. know what i mean 
They're yeah. not looking to like protect you and shit. You know, if someone was to burst in this place with a gun right now, he's out. Wouldn't yeah, he wouldn't give a shit. You know, <laughs> but um, you yeah. know, but but they're just looking for for people that they could be comfortable around. That's awesome. Um, the, well, I wanted to end with question for you as a newly married man. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to an, a younger Quelle Chris about finding love in the relationship you've built? Things you've learned from like now making the choice to be married and things that like you would have taught yourself that you maybe didn't know about relationships when you were 20. Uh, you don't have to destroy everything that's that's beautiful. You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't I don't I don't know if it's always been conscious uh, and are just a result of, of lifestyle. But I, I have had a history of being like, oh, this shit's getting too good. Destroy it. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, learning to just accept that, like, you know, life can be awesome. You know, and you deserve good things. Yeah. You know? I think that would be the advice that I would give myself. But as a catch-22, I would not give myself that advice because then I'd probably be with someone else before actually getting here. Sure. Yeah. Sure, so. sure. So it was meant to be. It was meant to be. How did you two meet, may I ask? Um, uh, I was working on some music for Pharaoh Munch. Oh, wow. Working on some beats for Pharaoh. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Your passions brought you together, I guess. Your mm-hmm. paths. That's yeah. like... That's telling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Actually, no. The first time we met was before that. We met uh, through some friends at a bar. But yeah, who made the first move? Um, I, if I may ask, <laughs> uh, she did. But it's it's not because like you know, I I wasn't interested. I was also and I think I was in a di- uh, not. I think I was in another relationship. I think when when I met her, hmm. or no, I wasn't yet. But I eventually was. Um, but. Hmm. Uh, Ultimately, she made the first move, but it's it's no slight to her. It's just I'm not like a first move guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've never been, you know what I mean? Like very uh, aggressive when it comes to pursuing, uh, you know, the the fairest species. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, she made the first move, and then I was probably I was still like being a dummy. So I'm glad that she she stuck it out with me. <laughs> You know what I mean? It, it worked she, out. she saw what I what I didn't see, and that's because I'm you know a dude, a knuckleheaded dude. <laughs> and I I hate when people say that type of shit, but like it's 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 because it's so cliche, but it's like partially true. Like we're, we can be knuckleheads. So I agree. <laughs> and having a partner who's patient and willing to teach us, right? Mm-hmm. And and not and uh, yeah, willing to be the teacher role, but not. It's so complicated. We, I mean, we yeah. always learn from each other. Yeah. You know yeah. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's cool. It's the, it's the give and take. Yeah. Um, Quelly Chris, where do you like to direct people to like stay in touch with about your new projects? Um, I mean, you know, I'm on the I'm on the Instagrams, I'm on the <laughs> Twitters, uh Quelly Chris on the Twitters, Quelly Christ on the Instagram. And it's not because I have a God complex, it's because my last name is Tanil. Um uh and um uh most of my stuff is on Bandcamp a, a lot of it is um uh, there's there's a mellow Bandcamp but then there's also just my personal one you just go to Google type in Quelle Chris Bandcamp damn near going to smack you right in the face and there's about like 600 projects on there so 
you know, dive in and enjoy. Yeah. Um, Do you have it like a email list or anything like that? I, I've done them at times, but because yeah. I because I am so like uh, uh, detached from the world at times, it probably wouldn't. It it would it would make a it would make such a great difference for my career. But I just would never attend to it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, all the normal places and hit, Spotify hit me at too. The normal places. I yeah. follow you on Spotify. Oh yeah, I'm on Spotify too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you wait. Do you is your stuff through the Mellow YouTube or do you have your own channel? Um, or both. It's 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 been through the Mellow for like the last handful of years. Cool. But uh, you know, then then most things that I did pre Mellow are uh, still on there under the Crown Nation uh, 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 YouTube page, which cool. is me and Denmark Vesey's group, even though we, we've only had one album. I feel like we're still a group. Will you do another project? Will we do another Crown Nation project? Yeah. Hell fucking yes, we will. That's awesome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We've started... Like we've started like almost like once a year for the last like eight years, um, and uh, we just you made never... songs already. No, uh, we we've started joints. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We just never uh, get around to finishing it because I'm I'm gonna be the bigger man and I'm gonna blame myself mostly probably because of me. But um, but yeah, I, when that happens, when we make another Crown Nation album, like this is you guys can't see this, but this shit. It was so serious that I automatically started doing the politician hand. Yeah. When, <laughs> you know, where like it's like a fist where the thumb is kind of sticking up. When we do this and it like shakes each with each word, with each syllable. But when we finally make this album, it is going to be a beast. Because I know you're trying to say bye to me, but I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> but like, because like from like when we made the first Crown Nation album, we were, I mean, we were developed at that point. We knew our sounds and stuff, but you're always growing. And you know what I mean? And, you know, I I definitely, clearly, I'm a witness to my own growth. But also just to see how much more profound uh, of an artist and MC Denmark has become since whenever that was that we made the first Crown Nation album, like it's just it's gonna be like two two beasts in a room. I just can't I can't wait. So you got to set the deadline, right? That helps, right? Yeah, we tried. Like I've I've definitely been on the phone with them and be like, okay, <laughs> we got two months, you know, and we're gonna get together once a week, and then you know, and then I get lost in my little brain world and then like it's like two months later and i haven't even like called him so yeah i'm blaming myself um my send all the hate mail to me the the album with mega ram we did took a minute but doing a crowdfunding towards the end helped because we're like we need fools to get it yeah and that was that was the because you know we he and i we wanted to work and rework and rework and Mm -hmm. that he was in new york for a week when we did all the vocals when we came through and like that is is your collaborator in this in new york or um, he's he's not here right now. He just yeah. had a beautiful baby girl, and uh, but as far but uh, they'll he'll be back. I've got mostly because he just can't stay away from me. Yeah, he wants he knows he has to make this record. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's more important than anything in the world right now. <laughs> Last question for you. You have this song with Dilla, which is... Oh, uh, the house shoes are spinning. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's pretty dope. Yeah, but you know, I mean, but but he had, he was uh, already uh, dead and gone by the time that mm. song was made, and that was like a tumultuous thing. Mm. I mean, anytime like yeah, anytime you're doing something with the works of someone dead, things always get itchy, you know, because everybody mm. wants to be the closest person to them. Mm. You know what I mean? Or the person that owns this or does that or this isn't right or that's not right. Um, So it was was a strange thing. It was an honor to be a part of that history, you know? Um, But uh, also, you know, I, I just felt like a lot of things that happened post death just are so tainted mm. to me. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, the, no need to get into details, but I mean, just kind of watching like friendships falter and things, you know, over someone that's like, that's dead. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm definitely not going to do some print shit and I should make sure I do this because you never know what's going to happen next, but I definitely need to make sure like I've, do like a music will mm. or something because I don't want when I'm when I pass people fighting over my shit. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, like it's ugly. That's not that's not a way to go out. You know, or that shit shouldn't tear people apart because ultimately the process for me of making all this music made all of you know I have the family that I was born with, but I have the family that came from my life. And music, mm. I would hate to like pass and have people bickering over my shit. That that you know that should just be brought together more in my passing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's kind of profound. You don't think about things like that, mm-hmm. like what the posthumous legacy is. Yeah, do you think yeah. it, he would have liked liked the track? Like oh, we I did? hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> were you probably thinking that like when you talk about proof? Uh, guessing your rhymes, making sure you su- would surprise him. Did you kind of have that in your head? Like, man, like, what would he be thinking if you, if Dilla were hearing this? Well, I mean, I, the the main thing that crossed my mind was if I'm gonna do this song, it's gotta be a really good song. Like, I have to hit him, yeah, hit him with some heat, yeah, right. You know, so because I was like, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on his name, like, you know. I don't, I don't, um, I can't recall. I don't know if there was any money involved or anything. Um, but I just, uh, I was like, you know, there's, there's, there's something to like, that's like, you know, like the Capital One or some fuck bags like that are using like Prince music on their commercials now. Yeah. And we all know Prince wouldn't want that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, if I'm going to do this, like, I have to feel like in my heart, because I would have, if I didn't like the song, I would have just been like, then I don't want to do the project. Like, if I'm going to make this song, I have to feel in my heart that if he heard the song, he would be like, oh yeah, this shit's cold. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like, it's just doing it so that you could say like, oh yeah, I rapped over a Dilla beat. Right. And that's like, that's whack as hell. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. 
that's cool. You had respect in that and a bigger vision of the of the the world and the legacy. Mm-hmm. I have a you know the thirty three and a third books. They're like summations of of albums. Oh. I have the Dilla one right there on that stack, the donuts one. Oh, it's yeah. it's like an expanded liner notes, mm-hmm. and they're kind of cool. They're kind of like it's uh, but it's interesting because it's like essays about how the albums were made. Uh, so I was looking at that while you're talking. It was kind of interesting. Yeah. It's a cool series. That one's pretty cool. The other, another good one is the um, the Beastie Boys Paul's Boutique one. Ooh, that one's probably beastly. It's, it's pretty tight. This is for what donuts? Yeah, donuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's I have Nirvana in utero. It's a cool series, but I did a pitch for a Great Malenko, so I was studying them. That'd be crazy. So <laughs> if I got picked to do it, it'd be pretty fresh. Oh, that'd be extra awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Dude, this has been a very good conversation, but I don't want to cut you off if there's anything less you want to, anything more you want to say to your fans and the listeners and stuff. I could just ramble forever, so you don't want to do that. Don't do that to them. <laughs> this shit's never going to end. <laughs> uh, okay, well, um, for future tour dates and all that stuff, do you think you'll hit the road when the new record drops? Oh, I, I fucking hope so. Yeah. Maybe y'all could bring me. Y'all be y'all be touring. You know, that would what? be tight. That would be tight. I I don't know. Like I've had like an amazing career. I would say, uh, just as far as the craft goes, and I care a lot about the craft. Yeah. As far as the like, the physical, like, out of outside of yourself and sharing moments with other people, part of like a career. I have not done so great. I'm mm. like, I feel like I might have offended like some sort of rap god at some point. And they were like, uh, you know, like that, like the remember thinner, like I curse you thinner. Like I feel like someone cursed me like tourless. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. hardly, I do like maybe like if I'm if I'm lucky, I, I feel like I do like five shows a year. It's it's wretched. Yeah, it's wretched. So if you're out, if someone's out there and they're like, um. That does like tour, <laughs> tour shit, books tours. I'll let your boy because yeah, no, but it would be a, it would be a a wretched shame if I didn't go on tour uh, for this next album. And I do an amazing show if I say so myself. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So it's just your so you you've got this big audience though that's there is hearing you that mm-hmm. would come see you. Oh yeah, it's just a matter of connecting those dots, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, some some shit. I don't know what's going on with that. They, you know. Maybe it's just not supposed to happen. Like maybe if I was like touring nonstop over the last like some odd years, I would be like dead or something. <laughs> I'm trying to find like the half full of it. But yeah, no, yeah. Hopefully, I'm touring on this one. I will be touring on this one. You got to speak it into existence. We'll we'll keep everyone posted. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. cool. All right. Well, we'll 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 end there, and uh, that's super tight. Thank you for your time. And thank you for your time. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Peace. Peace.
I'm trying to chill, get a kickstand. Everybody getting money, had a game plan. Every truth seeker drop by a hitman. Everybody all right, gotta be white. Everybody disagree, gotta be wrong. Everybody black dick, gotta be long. Every mixtape drop, gotta be free. Everybody from the hood gotta be G. Everything in the news gotta be real, right? Every Jew golden rule gotta say bills. Every young nigga got a deadbeat daddy. Every independent lady attitude trashy. Anybody ain't lit gotta be old. If you dress like that, you gotta wanna fuck. If I got locks, then they gotta stay blow. And if it ain't fronto, it gotta be a blonde. And if I cop squares, why they gotta be pokes? Either keep it real or you on time bugging. If two ain't the same, why one gotta be broke? You can play the game, I ain't gotta be nothing for you, but me. From the head nappy, two feet. Can't hurry something so complete. Took time like dog confit. If spaceships too far from your reach, it's weightless, way down in the deep, yeah. You ain't about to have me losing no sleep, cause I'm grinding, you ain't about to see me losing no sleep, same time, man. Side ponytail, thrift store garb, frizzy hair, bookworm, but street smart. Immigrant children watching buckwheat late night. Listen to Depeche Mode, Big Audio, or Dynamite. Identity crisis, coming later vices are coming even later prices for a life lived. Without life built for the right price, kill, cause you can be the things they say to be and get killed. With difficulty comes learning. With typically those less exposed to those burdens can flourish without knowing themselves, without growing themselves, without the moments of doubt, moments of bells all ringing, singing low self-esteem. Gene walk a hundred feet tall, walk mean, talk obscene, crawl far across scenes, never crossing the green, cause I ain't got to be nothing for you but me. From a three beat down two feet, can't fathom how it's so complete. Take your time like duck feet. spaceships that are never out of reach, I'm up high and down, down the deep. You ain't about to have me losing no sleep, cause I'm grinding. You ain't about to see me snoozing no sleep, same time, man.
Thank you, Quelle. That was a great interview. Thank you all for listening. Next week, we have Marcella Vignali, who worked on Into the Spider-Verse, the new Spider-Man movie, and he was the lead designer on the Roger Rabbit ride at Disneyland. What? So we talked about what it was like designing that ride, how he did some of the voices for the characters on that ride, and how he went from Imagineer to animator in cell animation, and then computer animation, and what it was like working on Into the Spider-Verse, and kind of his spiritual and philosophical approach. We actually did this podcast at Sony Animation Studios in his office. So he gave me a tour of Culver City, and it's really cool. Marcelo, freaking awesome guy. So check that out next week. Have a great week, everyone. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. If you liked it, please leave a comment. Please leave a review. Please tell your friends, and uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.